So when I was a kid, my mum was used to run a nursery and every so often they would have a day that people could bring stuff in and sell it because there wasn't really any other option. And then Facebook came and you had these online forums, but there's a lot of hassle in listing all the different items, all the questions, getting that shipped out to people. But people do still try and sell on, but, but the concept previously was you either bought it brand new or you bought it for next to nothing. And what we're actually trying to bridge is there's still a lot of value in, in those products because they don't really wear. And so we're trying to create something that allows people to make money because there hasn't been that before, not that there hasn't necessarily been a need or an opportunity to make money from those items. On today's show, we talk to Carly Reed, CEO and founder of Yearn, a new business which is trying to tackle the sustainability issue around baby goods. So think stair gates, think Moses cradles. Do you need to buy all of those things new or could you rent them from someone who already has? This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, interviewing leaders from across the industry and bringing you some technology news. Good afternoon, Hayley. How are you? Very well. How are you? Happy Monday. Yes. Happy Monday. Um, and I'm going to start the show by telling you some facts. Okay. Go for it. Some interesting facts. Tech Talks, right, um, in the last month has risen to the number sixth position in the tech category in Albania. We are the really? sixth most listened to tech podcast in Albania. We are 16th in Colombia, 24th in Qatar, 38th in Portugal, and 43rd in the Korean Republic. Um, I'm not quite sure how we are 6th in Albania, or even 16th in Colombia for that matter, but thank you to all of our listeners in Albania, Colombia, Qatar, Portugal, Korea, and anywhere else for that matter. Brilliant. I know. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I got sent this email over the weekend being like, hello, you might like to know this. With Like, I'd never been emailed by this company before, but like with a whole load of, of rankings on various different charts mm. from various countries around the world. Um, so, yeah, we're popular in Albania. Go Tech Talks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people listen to tech podcasts in Albania as a total sample size. I don't really care. It's still sixth. That's good. That's good going. Like that's in the top ten. That's brilliant. Do you speak any Albanian? I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> no, not do I. <laughs> Sadly, so sorry, sorry about that. But uh, obviously, it hasn't held us back so far. Uh, you know which country is the second most listened to location for the podcast? Where? The United States. And what is it on Thursday? Exactly. Blank look from someone British. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it's Black Friday and all that stuff at the minute. Here. No, it's oh, Thanksgiving yeah. on Thursday. Obviously, Friday's show will be a little bit late to say to the many listeners that we have in the States and also Americans abroad. Maybe it's a number of Americans in Albania who are tuning in. But wherever you might be celebrating Thanksgiving in the world, happy Thanksgiving. We'll happy just Thanksgiving. say that to you now. If I it wasn't for it, Do you? Yeah, like lovely, delicious food. Well, yeah, Everyone... but it's Christmas dinner again twice. Yeah, but it's far apart, isn't it? I don't you, you don't have meatloaf on Christmas dinner. Uh, no. And, and no. I feel like in all the programs I watch, they're always eating meatloaf. That could be so wrong. <laughs> I know, no, in Friends, it's always turkey, isn't it? Oh, is it? Oh, well, I don't really I know so. much about it, about... but a, a family feast, why not? More than merrier. 
there is that. So anyway, yes, if you're in America, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, someone else who is in America for many years is Carly Reid, today's guest, CEO and founder of Company Yearn. We will hand over to the interview, then myself and Hayley will be back with some commentary. So on today's show, I'm chatting to Carly Reid, the CEO and founder of Yearn, a business which is launching this week at the time of recording. Yes, yeah, we've got two days. <laughs> yeah, finding time to chat to a podcast in launch week, that's... Um, Ambitious. You must be busy. Uh, super busy, but it's one of those where everything's kind of coming together in the right way rather yep. than just crazy busy before launch, which I've definitely had those scenarios as well before. So before we get into anything else, uh, let's start by asking you a very simple question. What is Yearn? Yearn is a peer-to-peer marketplace to rent baby and kids stuff from local people or businesses or make some money if you have items that uh, you're not using at the moment. So, for example, kind of what stuff would you imagine people would put on would put on the platform? So we rent things in categories, and it's not single items; it's bundles. So right. our prominent bundle would be uh, bedroom and nursery. So mm-hmm. think of Moses baskets and cribs and everything that you have in a nursery that you only need for a short period of time. Then we've got items around the home, so safety gates play pens, all of that type of stuff that doesn't really wear, but you need, it's a necessity. And then feeding outside the home. And in the future, we hope to branch more into all the stuff they buy when they're slightly older, but to do with hobbies. So look, um, here's a a question then, I suppose. Where is the need for a technology platform for this? Because isn't this the kind of thing that people kind of do in amongst friends and families, and they've got kind of stuff that's in the family and you hand it on? Like my sister's got... Uh, a two-year-old, and I kind of half imagine that if I have kids at some point, I'll, I'll inherit a whole load of stuff that Tom had at some stage. Why did you feel there was a need or a niche and an opportunity for this particular platform? So the idea for Yearn actually started from a furniture marketplace. So I'd moved mm-hmm. around a lot from London to New York to San Francisco, and I was potentially moving back, and I packed my home up again. And a friend was over, and we were talking about how I could have given her a whole house, and it would save me all these storage costs. And that was really the spark. And it got me thinking about how we don't need to buy everything. We live a little, little bit more transient than maybe our parents did, and definitely our grandparents. And so this need to buy everything is kind of inching away if we don't buy records we use Spotify and Netflix and those kind of things and the brand evolved pretty quickly into the moment so not just setting up your home or moving into a bigger home but actually starting a family how can you connect with your community borrow things from them which allowed you to save time so from from an interior design point of view for furniture but just the research that goes into all the things that kids need it just goes on forever and ever and ever if you ever go down kind of rabbit hole of looking into all the different products that people could use and so It grew from that concept of there's so much stuff out there, the sustainability aspect, let's stop buying, let's reuse. And so, yes, your point around people give stuff specifically for um, children's items, but there's still a huge amount being sold on Facebook pages and marketplaces. And I think it's an evolution of that there wasn't ever a resale value. So when I was a kid, my mum was used to run a nursery and every so often they would have a day that people could bring stuff in and sell it because there wasn't really any other option and then Facebook came and you have these online forums but there's a lot of hassle in listing all the different items all the questions getting that shipped out to people but people do still try and sell on but but the concept previously was you either bought it brand new or you bought it for next to nothing. And what we're actually trying to bridge is there's still a lot of value in, in those products because they don't really wear. And so we're trying to create something that allows people to make money because there hasn't been that before, not that there hasn't necessarily been a need or an opportunity to make money from those items. 
And just out of interest, kind of where, how do you then decide where to maybe build and aim the brand? Because on the one hand, this could be, <clears throat> this could be quite kind of trendy and glossy and high end, couldn't it? You know, you could be looking at people who've got some really nice items and people looking for some uh, stuff that looks look would look really nice. You mentioned interior design and where it kind of came from from home furnishing. So I suppose that heritage. But then I suppose there's a second track where if you look at the economic stress that people are under at the minute and food banks and the fact that this is something whereas when you move into a house there are luxury items if you have a if you have a child there are some basic items that you need that people might struggle to get hold of so i suppose you could kind of pitch it at two different parts of the market or maybe you want to aim at both and the sustainability angle would possibly le- kind of lean towards the second right Yes, it is both. And so when we were initially thinking about the brand, I already knew that it wasn't just going to be about furniture. So we built it for this kind of different verticals. And so we had ideas like cushion. It's the cushion that holds you between two places and all those types of things. But we moved away from anything being specifically about furniture. And Yearn was this concept of um, bringing together our two sides of the marketplace. Everybody kept getting confused about who were the renters. So we have earners people that make money and yearners people that want and we bring those two sides together which is why it's why apostrophe e-i-r-n um, and we are looking for lots of different types of customers demographics types of items the only restriction really is that it's not too worn so we want thing we don't want somebody's you know bashed up crib that nobody yeah. else wants their child in but it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're buying a really high-end 1500 pounds moses basket or you're buying a 50 pounds moses basket there will be somebody that wants to to pay the relative rental amount for that and so that's what we're going after and yes there's a huge amount from a sustainability point of view i think uh, um, people are kind of becoming a little bit more aware and so some of those things that may have been barriers before actually might now be things that help us which is you know helping the planet helping other people in your community Mm. Whether you're doing it to save or make money, you're also helping another family. And there's a huge amount that we're doing for charity as far as kind of giving back. Now, what effect has the pandemic had on launching? Because you're launching now. It must be an incredibly difficult time to go to market. And to, I suppose in, 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 a, in a world where there's already a lot of now uh, noise online because so many businesses are having to be to be online as opposed to physical, uh, getting attention and launching must be tricky, right? Yes. So we actually launched back in February in the US, just right. literally a few weeks before COVID-19 really kind of went mainstream and all the news and we started to see cities closing down. And after a while, I came back to England and decided to pause the operations in the US. But because of the way that we decided to design the technology and the brand we always knew we wanted to expand out into other markets and other verticals so after a while I I decided that we were going to launch here in the UK and fast track the baby and kids component of it and at first friends thought I was crazy exactly to that point why we launched in a pandemic but I think Jörn actually is in a better position so personally I'm not I'm back at my parents living in my childhood bedroom um, and it's been a crazy year but I think people are looking to make their money work harder so whether that's saving or making money and you know this concept if you've got stuff in your home that you could be sharing with other people to help them or to help yourself I think will resonate and the sharing economy was growing anyway I just think COVID may fast track that so in a strange roundabout way I think it may actually help us 
because maybe before people had been less inclined to rent from other people and now there's these alternate kind of factors that will drive people to looking at a marketplace. Obviously, that that makes perfect sense if you kind of look at the rhetoric and the narrative that you kind of see in media. Has that been backed up by, I assume it's been backed up by conversations with potential customers, with family and friends? I mean, what what kind of, I don't want to call it market research, but I suppose for something like this, to kind of get the sense that there is that slight change in people's attitudes, it, you as a founder have got to try and understand where that's going, right? Yes. And of course, when you do speak to friends and family, they always agree with you as a founder. So that's exactly yeah. the two. So we have, have set up a small focus group. They're actually going to be our ambassadors to help with some on the ground marketing. So we're looking at saturating small areas that are actually on the outskirts of London rather than the insides. And the feedback has been um consistent around yes I have lots of stuff and I haven't given it away because I plan to have another child and this would be great um or if I had that opportunity when I was a parent I would have used it um, there's lots of talk about sustainability just I actually bought everything new and now I wish that maybe I hadn't and I could give give this up to other people and so we have run focus groups and we have had the type of information that informed us to keep moving but we will see the proof is obviously in in the pudding so it's been it's been a really long journey and this the next couple of weeks will show if we get some traction but we've got brands that are um aligned with us so we've been very fortunate that some charities including great ormond street um hospital are um, supportive and believe in the brand and see that it's helping families and communities and talking to mums networks and they also are interested in potential partnerships and helping us grow and so that just reinforces from those from those brands that know a lot about families and um, parents and children and their habits so um, there's been there's been some insights but we shall see and obviously we're in the middle still of covid and so things are continuously changing so what maybe people said three or four months ago when they mm. thought it going to be a couple of months is uh could be different tomorrow so we're just going to ride and keep pivoting i would be interested to probe that kind of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial mindset rather um especially given the circumstances you say you know friends and family going crazy launching a business right now uh and you're doing it as a, as a founder not a co-founder you're doing it as a founder so obviously you have to have a really strong belief in the mission and the purpose and all those things that normally would come with with launching a startup but what do you think has helped you stay focused on what it is you're trying to achieve given the circumstances given how challenging the market is right now to see this through and to get to launch and to hopefully grow that community it's evolved i have to be honest when i first started the concept was that we were creating a business a marketplace and it could scale quickly and it could make us money and all those things that probably a lot of founders um, get excited about at the beginning and the charity aspect was important from for me from day one I'd been trying to donate time whilst I was living um, in the US and it was really hard unless you could commit lots of hours or regular time and so I just didn't and so in the background this concept of being able to help people um, kind of ran in a dual track and then COVID uh, hit and it's almost compounded that and so the bit that drives me yes we can create a marketplace yes we can make money from it yes we could potentially grow very quickly uh, the technology is there to allow us to pop up in new countries within a few weeks that's what we've built and, and we're ready for it as far as scaling but actually the bit that keeps driving me is that I really am passionate about us being able to give back to communities and make it really easy for other people to be able to do the same and so that 
strangely, has has been the thing that's kind of surpassed the idea of just growing a business and getting through that first year of um, or two years, I guess, of being a founder. Now it's how much of a positive impact can we have on the environment from a sustainability aspect. You know, every time we have a new customer, we're planting a tree and referral programs are adopting bees as education with schools and all the kind of widgets around if you're making money from the platform, do you want to donate some of those earnings and we match it and all those kind of things. So I'm really hoping that, yes, we can build a marketplace that helps people and that will evolve into other verticals, whether that's furniture or hobbies and adventure. But the background is that it reinforces connecting people and giving back and having a positive impact. Do you feel... Do you feel part of the London tech community? Look, I'll say this is massively loaded. I've known you for 10 years off and on. I placed you in a job when I was a recruiter. So I, I, you know, I've I've got a fair understanding of kind of your background and whatever else, more so than we often do with with many guests. But if you kind of think about rewinding God knows how many years, London was this environment where you've got meetups and you've got the ability to to hang out with lots of other people. You, You worked for a while at News UK. Lots of people have gone from news to start businesses and there's kind of lots of entrepreneurs that come out of those businesses. Has it, have you been able to plug into that community since returning to the States, given that events aren't going on and that it is more disparate? And obviously there are, there are other social, social impact businesses out there or, or organisations that that have this kind of flavour to them? Have you been able to reach out to them and talk to them and, I suppose, knowledge share and help each other to a certain extent? No, it's been really hard, I guess, because of the amount of time coming back to England and focusing on launching here in the UK has taken up a huge amount of time. You know, there hasn't been all of those meetups and social events. I started to attend more online virtual events and connecting there's been lots to do with female founders um but it is something that i'm really aware of and and being out of london for so long my network is really rusty and so i've done a few random kind of cold outreach on linkedin even i contacted the ceo of rentu and said hey i'm hoping that back in the day when you were growing your marketplace somebody went for a coffee and he was wonderful really gracious gracious and we'd had a call and so it is hard um i do think if I could go to some of those forums, it'd be easier and, and getting connected to other people that have gone through the same experience. But at the moment, it's that trade-off of kind of searching and hunting for events and having the time and the value they bring. And it's just harder to make those connections when you're doing it in a three-minute, almost like a speed dating with a founder, and then they cut you off to the next person. So mm. it's not the same as meeting people in, in person, even though video conferencing is, is great. It just doesn't allow you to make the same connection. So it's um, I definitely don't feel connected there are opportunities, but they're just not quite the same. And at the moment, tied in with the launch, it's just not been a priority. But I'm hoping that that will change over the coming months. Well, one thing that is still happening is people are still having babies despite the pandemic. So uh, there's definitely going to be a market. I, I imagine there might be probably a slight boom at some point. Yeah. Um, I suppose, you know, if someone if someone is in a position where they're looking to buy um nursery items moses baskets whatever else they've got you know they're expecting to start a family how would they get in touch how, how do they find out more about yearn where's the best places to go so you can come to the site www.yearn.club we're obviously on instagram and all the other social um, accounts we are leading with one side of the marketplace so adding inventory so that's going to be the next month or so and then as soon as we have enough we'll open up the other side um, it's leading into Christmas, as you're saying, about the noise and getting drowned out. So and whatever else is happening with lockdowns, we'll be mindful. 
but that's the uh, that's a place to go. And if you're not in London, which is where we're focusing initially, you can leave your postcode and sign up for the newsletter, and we'll see demand and start moving into other areas. Yeah. Well, look, it's really exciting time. Obviously, I hope it goes well, uh, and fingers crossed. In six months to a year, your team is growing and, and the community's alive and well. Hope so. Thank you. First question straight out the block um and i'm genuinely interested in this you you are not a mother although you nope. did suggest that maybe you might be soon on the last no, show no not uh, soon Ew, no. <laughs> no big announcements here no right you're not a mother but how would you my wife when we go around shops will often look at prams and stuff i don't know why we're not even we're not remotely close to starting a family but she still seems to have this thing that in john lewis she likes to go look at prams right if you're <laughs> random, uh, if, if you started a family, is this the kind of platform that you go for? Would you rent a Moses basket or a or a stair gate or something like that, or would you buy those things? Um, I think it completely depends on the position you're in, yeah, um, and what it is as well. So, I mean, for instance, I don't know about renting, but like you know, like marketplace and things like that, or like secondhand mm-hmm. stuff. I'm not, like, I would 100% buy secondhand things. I do now, like I've got things in, in my room that's secondhand and, and things like that. So, and I'm not, I guess it just completely depends on the position you're in, whether you'd want to rent it or not, um, how long you needed it for, if you couldn't be bothered mm. to resell it afterwards and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely think there is a, isn't there is a niche for it i think that people yeah. are not always in a position to go and put out that big outlay on something um especially if it's not needed for a short amount of time um, a long amount of time i think there definitely yeah. is a rental um um market out there 100 percent, and i think it would make a lot of people's lives a lot easier and i like what she says it's about it's also a lot about goodwill isn't it mm and making a difference to people's lives, things that they might not be able to have. and things. So like I, look, I look around our house and it is packed full to the rafters of shit, to be perfectly honest. But, um, <laughs> like, Are you a um, hoarder? In- no, no, I'm not, <laughs> right? But let me just explain. Um, we inherited my parent-in-law's stuff when they moved to Spain a few years ago. So we had all of our stuff. And then because they didn't have enough room to basically um, care for a a family home in Manchester they'd sold when they moved to their apartment in Spain, we inherited all of their stuff too. So we've just got lots of stuff, everything, like every single piece of storage is taken. Quite a funny story. A few years ago, we bought a new spare bed, which had storage underneath and and Hayley had it marked out. My wife Hayley had it marked out for various different items. We went out for the afternoon, came home to find that a mother had filled it with stuff. We didn't even get an opportunity to use that storage. Like (laughs) there is just shit everywhere. Um, (laughs) So I can totally see, like if if I was in this house, with the lack of storage that it has, and I had the option of renting something like a, a baby gate on stairs, or those kind of sized items where, like, once it was done with, I'd love to be able to just be like, there you go, done with it, and actually have the 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 good kind of, the goodwill conscious aspect of, well, I haven't added to a sustainability crisis. I haven't bought something that actually I didn't need to buy. Mm. Those items, 100%, I can understand. Okay, so the sustainability piece, I think, is the bit that sells it to me because everyone wants to do their bit for the planet now and so yeah. much, so many things are made in plastic and, and everything like that. So I feel like 
if it's sold as that. Some people are like, oh, secondhand stuff. I'm not sure. But I, I, I personally don't feel like that. I feel like reuse is the way forward. Um, and I think a lot of people will be on board with that as well at the moment. With yeah, I mean, things it, that are going on. It's funny with like Christmas coming up, <laughs> Haley decided to buy wrapping paper, which is just plain brown recycled wrapping paper instead of glittery spot because apparently glitter is really bad for the environment it is yes i didn't is. i didn't know this apparently glitter is, is horrendous for the environment as, as you got this 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 brown paper but of course it's all through delivery at the minute isn't it kind of undid all the good work that john lewis it turns out are delivering the wrapping paper separate from a whole load of other stuff we assumed that it all get bundled together mm. and no 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 the wrapping paper is coming on its own so there's two deliveries and it's like that's a bit weird. That kind of undermines the whole we're trying to do this from a sustainability point of view. And um, I've often bought stuff through Amazon this year, and then it's come in a massive box with a yeah. whole load of cushioned kind of big bubble wrap style stuff. And you've got this little thing in the middle of it, and you kind of go, oh, there's all this waste material and packaging. So, I, I, yeah, I think where there are opportunities to use platforms that are so focused around the sustainability piece um, – Hilo Athletic, a different a different company entirely, but they make um, shoes that are fully recyclable. Um, I noticed that they come in a brown paper um, box, which when you're done with the shoes, you put them back in the box, send it back. The box gets recycled. The shoes get recycled. Yeah, that's brilliant. Stuff like that makes a really big difference. So I can see that Yearn on that sustainability. I mean, it's really important right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And like even, so I think, didn't you say every new member, a, pl- a tree gets planted? Like for my business as well, yeah. that's something I want to do. So when people buy something, a tree gets, you know, planted. Yeah, so she so mentioned trees, bees and matched earnings Amazing. as well. Love that Which idea. is fantastic. Yeah, there's so many businesses doing that sort of thing at the moment. And it really does like promote that as well. When it makes you think, oh, I've got them and I'll just buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's the lazy thing, isn't it? You go, oh, sod it, I'll just get it on. But it's so there are options out there that are better for the planet. Mm. Um, and I think her point around COVID fast-tracking the sharing economy as well is is a really important one. Like we mentioned Thanksgiving in um, in the intro. I noticed on Twitter today, just a few, you know, Thanksgiving is uh, Thursday. This is Monday when we're recording. I know the show's coming out on Tuesday, but there were pictures of people going and collecting food packages from, I think it was a shelter or some kind of community center in New York. Obviously, families who've been affected by COVID, who don't have earnings. You know, you think about how important food banks have become in this country, unfortunately, with the amount of people who Mm. have lost their job. Um, It stands to reason that the sharing economy therefore comes into effect. And if there is already this stuff in circulation and it's cheaper and better for the planet to do it this way, then then it's a great message to get out there. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that people want to do their bit. I think it's becoming more to light as well that there is there is this big issue around, you know, food banks, people not being able to have, like, things that they need. Um, I mean, for someone like us, that it wouldn't be a massive deal to go and buy an extra bag of shopping and put it in the food bank. And I think that people just aren't kind of like um, – well you don't really necessarily hear about it all the time but it can just do mm. so much good like if, if everyone just did that and it helps so many even, people yeah. i mean i i've started to try and like when i haven't done it recently because we've been shopping online but when when you go to tesco it's like buy one just one can of like baked beans yeah. or whatever because they've got that little collection point at the at the store yeah, and you exactly. leave. So it doesn't even need to be like a whole shop like it could be like a 30p can of something that you don't exactly. even notice in your weekly shop and then if everyone did that all of a sudden there'd be 
a small avalanche of different food. Um, One last point before we move on. Um, Carly is someone who is well-connected. Carly is someone who I've known for a long time, as I mentioned. I've, I placed her. She's worked at News UK. She's she's well-connected and well-established well in terms of that tech scene. And even she right now is finding it difficult as a founder to find people to talk to, to get the message, to, to relate to. There will be lots of people who are starting businesses without that network behind them who will be finding it difficult to get insight from other leaders and other founders at the minute. It's just a really, I think it's a really important message to to press home that people need to talk to each other and help each other online like never before. The startup community needs to protect its own. Yeah, I think it, people are being a bit more buoyant in that in that regard, aren't they? So people are more open to talking and everyone's talking about what's going on and people are just maybe becoming a little bit nicer. What or more giving of their time, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I think I've noticed that, especially in our line of work as well. People are a bit more open to talking. They're not there. No one's really, like, everyone, people are busy, but, like, a lot of the time people make out they're so busy that they haven't got time mm. for anyone else. They're too busy. But, yeah, I feel like that, that dynamic's changed a little bit. Yeah, which is great to see. It Look, is. Carly, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show, being our guest. We're going to go to a quick advert break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Audible. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the footballs come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. Right. So this is a call to action from the Authors Guild, right? They are asking people to sign a letter to tell Audible to stop charging authors for returns. Now, let me explain why I think this is relevant. We're talking about Audible. They are basically the one marketplace for um, audiobooks, right? Mm. Um, audiobooks are obviously a vital way for authors to make money um, through their through their royalties. And basically, what Audible have done, without consulting anyone, they have they are they are encouraging monthly subscribers to return or exchange audiobooks they have purchased. So once you have finished an audiobook, you can return or exchange it. It's not just a case of if something was faulty or you weren't happy with the product, you can finish the the product entirely and return it. And then the earned royalties are deducted from the author's accounts. Audible's promoting it as an easy exchange policy, as a benefit to increase the subscriber, its own subscriber base. Basically saying, isn't this fantastic? Because if you sign up to Audible for like $7.99 a month, you get one free credit a month. So basically you could use that credit, listen to one book, exchange, get another one, exchange, get another one. But that's going to harm authors and i think this is a really yeah first of all i think it's it's not good because not all authors out there are you know some of them are self-published and struggling and it's an important revenue stream and this is unfair on them and why is it unfair on them because this is a cautionary tale for when one organization which obviously in this case is amazon has complete market dominance and it can basically do what it's like what it likes and it's very difficult then for people who are reliant on it to protect their own rights yeah so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I feel like that's fair or not. I don't think it's great. Really it's great for a customer. Great for us, but everyone's been buying books or audio books all this time. Why does it need to change? Yeah, you're still, a, uh, you're still buying something. And you might, 
yeah, it might be like, I don't know. I don't know why this has come to mind because I've never read one of his books in my life. It might be a, a John Grisham thriller, right, that you've listened to. Or, or like one of the Harry Potters, right? One of the <laughs> Harry Potters. J.K. Rowling isn't going to be short of a bob or two. But it might be that also you really love some author that is self-published and, you know, they have to churn out a lot of books and it's it's a challenge for them. And that that money from Audible was was part of their livelihood. And in these times, for Audible to make a change that they don't have to make, as he's saying, people are still buying audiobooks right now, a change that they didn't need to make when in a market that they're already dominant just to increase their user base, it smacks of a very un- uncaring policy from a company that isn't really thinking about its customers in as much as, yes, not just its user base, but the, the people who are generating content for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's a lot of work that goes into that. And a yeah. lot of creativity and everything like that. So to strip that away and get deductions for it is a little bit insulting, I think. Yes. And I don't so think we w- it's even I just I don't I don't know how I'd feel about even doing that. Just buy it. Yeah. So if you listen to this, buy it. Don't swap it. Buy it, don't swap it. And look, we've had plenty of people on the show over the years who are authors of technology books and so on and i know that a few of them have put uh editions of those on audible so if you're listening if you're an author and you weren't aware of this but you care well we'll 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 add a link to um the letter uh in the show notes and sign put a bit of pressure on audible maybe these authors need to come together and build their own platform and uh yeah. Do something do something radical. But uh yeah, Audible need to look after look after their authors. It it's uh it's a bit shit, frankly. Yeah, like nothing in life is free. Like you like it's not a li- Audible's not a library. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You don't go in and exactly. swap it for free. And people don't expect it to be free either. Like books it should just be the same as a book. Like you go and buy a book. If you're buying it, don't need to swap it and get money back for it. It's just ridiculous. No. What's the point of the of the no. author writing it? Oh, I don't agree with that. Yeah, we're telling off Audible, we're telling off Amazon. There we are. Right, uh, Hayley, uh, enjoy the rest of your Monday afternoon. We'll be back on Friday. Uh, we will be talking to Olio, um, who uh, will be another organisation that you may be familiar with. They've been around for a few years. They've been on the podcast before. It's about tackling sustainability in food and food waste, which will be perfectly uh, timed, given that it will be the day after Thanksgiving and there'll be loads of leftover turkey. and We don't want you to throw it away. Yeah, no, we sure want you, you to give it to your community. So, <laughs> look, we're thinking through our content these days. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week. Bye-bye. I don't care. I'm not